Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Special. Hello. What's happening, Derek? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm having a fantastic time. It's, uh, do you know what's going on right now? Right now as we're recording? No. Blue Jays home opener. Oh, right. Yeah, we had a barbecue at um, uh, work today for that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they do it every year. Wear blue, wear Blue Jay stuff. Oh, right and, on. And, um, That's awesome. They do a barbecue and yeah. raffle off a couple of things. And so we're recording late, but they're in the middle of the eighth inning. It's four three for Blue Jays playing really? the Detroit Tigers. That's Woo-hoo. not bad. I'm still in yeah. hockey season. I've got some of my buddies uh, sending me pictures from the game. Some people are there. I'm not. I am. They did a big revamp there. on the stadium. I'm looking forward to seeing it. What did they revamp? Oh, they spent like millions on it. There's a uh, fan areas and there's like new lounge areas and there's new box areas there's like they've got it's it, you look online it's incredible it's, if they let you come in and like play no why not? never would do that they should <laughs> they should do that like that should be mandatory beer league no <laughs> every game yeah you the home team has to draw a seat number <laughs> And that that person has to play in at least one inning. They got to have one at bat. Yeah, <laughs> that's a new league rule. Three pitches out. Right, right. <laughs> or maybe not. Yeah, maybe they're they used to play baseball or something. Got a dinger. They got a home run, grand slam from Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Fred from Oshawa. Fred from Oshawa got a grand slam. Jazer going to the World Series. <laughs> like Fred. And what does Fred get out of it? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Way to go, Fred. Way to go. <laughs> he gets he gets one season ticket for yes. next year, <laughs> and we're going to sit him beside someone. <laughs> that'd be awesome, though. It would be. That'd be interesting, right? Yeah. And he had the All Star Game. You got to do something at the All-Star game. Like all the people at the All-Star game, they pick one person or two, two people from all the people in the All-Star yeah. that are at the, the all because mm-hmm. they have the All-Star game. Yeah. Yeah. All-Star game. And so, so two people, one has to play on each team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great fan experience. Would It would be amazing. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pitch today and they won't know how to hit. <laughs> You're going to strike all three of my <laughs> The ball's probably <laughs> just going to come in at knee level. <laughs> well, when are you going to pitch? I already pitched. Oh, I already pitched, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was dozing off. It took so long. That'd be awesome. How do I, What's the number to MLB? I'm going to tell them, pitch that idea. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to pitch the idea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm on a dinger tonight. I don't think it would ever work. Uh, Why? The liability issues and... Ah, Just get them to sign a waiver. You You get hit or buy a ball and die. (laughs) Eh, Your fault. You you accepted the risk. We'll keep playing replays like that. Is that uh, morning dove that got whacked. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the the seagull. Yeah. It was a morning dove. Was it a morning dove? I thought it was a seagull. That uh, the pitcher, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Too? Everybody calls it yeah. a pitcher, but it was uh, it was a morning dove. Yeah, you mean a seagull? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anywho, so yeah, you would you would rather be down at the game than here opening day? No, I I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but here. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be there for opening day. All the theatrics all the fun and drama and <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody wants fun. 
Nobody wants fun. Fun's <laughs> for chumps. Exactly. Hey, chumps. <laughs> Speaking of fun. Yes. Uh, so this is Tuesday. We always record on Tuesdays. Yes. Wednesday being tomorrow mm-hmm. is the film festival. Yeah. And then this episode will air on Thursday. So if today's Thursday, we had a blast, blast. yesterday, <laughs> Just last know. evening, watching all the films, all the giveaways. We want a big shout out to Sale. Oh, yes. Who gave us a bunch of stuff to give away. Blew my mind when I went yeah. in there to pick up the uh, the ba- the box of stuff for the swag for that uh, Sale was donating to our event. I was like... What are you sure? Like I was. I thought maybe they had accidentally dropped a few things on top of something else. Yeah, and it's like this is all for me. She I went said, for that. Was waiting for that <laughs> phone call. Uh, oh, we gave you the wrong box. <laughs> but the yeah. So we folded. We pulled through the the box and like halfway down underneath some of the bags was like uh, the well this note right here. Yeah, it says best luck with your event. Happy trails. And that's from uh, uh, Adam and Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very very good. I went I went in there the other night and. Was looking at a couple things and happened to talk to uh, Silas, mm-hmm. who asked if I was the sales guy there, kid there that was asking if I made sure I found what I was looking for. And yeah, just happened to talk. He's, oh yeah, uh, Adam, our one manager here. If you want to speak to him, so Adam came over. I talked to him and said, "Let me uh, take all your info and uh, I'll talk to our big manager Mike yeah. and see what we can do for mm-hmm. you." And uh, yeah, they definitely came through. So, sale in Oshawa, Mike and uh, Adam. Yeah, awesome. Amazing. Big hats off to amazing. you guys, and uh, thank you very much for uh, helping us out with some great door prizes. Yep. Uh, and if you weren't there last night, if this is indeed Thursday, yeah, you missed out. Yes, it was great. It was fantastic. Fantastic. Twenty twenty three film fest. Yeah, had a blast. <laughs> now. <laughs> This is going to air on Thursday, and we're going to go, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's one of those things you're always worried. It's like, oh, the way we're talking, but what if some calamity happens? And- <laughs> <laughs> Derek stubbed his toe. An airplane crashed into the bar. And- <laughs> Spilled my beer. Oh. Yeah. The humanity. Oh, uh, no, no, that, uh, looking forward to that. And then- well, you know, every year that we've done this, uh, so we've been the last four times we had a little slight pause because of covid but uh mm-hmm. but yeah this at uh, drums and flats fantastic place yeah yep. shane the crew there they're they're awesome yeah uh yeah this is the first in-person one since uh, covid so shane the manager he's always been the manager the whole time we're there isn't yep. he yep yeah and and it's a california sandwiches upstairs now mm-hmm. but it's still drums and flats downstairs oh, okay cool and they hold their their the um Bands and stuff yeah, like that come in on weekends and, yeah, and stuff, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and they have a blast down there. So the big screen TVs. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. So if you can go back in time to Wednesday. <laughs> yes. Come join us yesterday. <laughs> Come join us yesterday if you get that chance. Yeah. <laughs> Give us the code word. Pickle sandwich, and we'll know that you're from the future. There you go. <laughs> That'll freak me out. That'll freak me right out. I'm just going to phone up people. Go up to Derek and go, pickle Don't sandwich. Do Don't pickle do it. sandwich. It has to, be, has to be honest and genuine. Honest and genuine. Pickle sandwich. <laughs> honest. <laughs> Time traveler. Someone's just going to walk up and give you a pickle sandwich. <laughs> and then poof, it'll disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Got to go back to my regular timeline. <laughs> Anyways, like we're, what, half an hour into this? and we're, we're, Are we really? I don't know. <laughs> nah. Uh, so, busy, 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 busy last couple months. So, we had mm-hmm. 
recording tonight, Film Fest tomorrow night, and then yes. Saturday I am in Ottawa. Yes. At the um, Ottawa Outdoor and Adventure Travel Show. I am presenting at mm-hmm. 12.30 to 1 o'clock on the Saturday on yep. the big stage there. And that is it, I think. And that's, it's, that's February, March, and April. So it's, it's funny how, uh, like, any other year, like before we started this podcast, it would be like, ah, oh, the spring's the time to just kind of putter around the house and get the yard ready. And But no, spring now is like, it's like every weekend is eaten up by some away event. Yeah. Down to Wisconsin or, or Michigan, whatever. Michigan. Or the other side of Toronto, Guelph. Yeah. It's, or not Guelph, uh, Waterloo. Oh, unfortunately. Ottawa. That's, that's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. And it's funny because nine years ago today... I was on my way to Waterloo to give my speech on oh, Woodland, Caribou. Woodland Caribou. Yeah, it, it popped up in my memories yeah. today. Nine years ago today. Nine years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, it was in April. Mm-hmm. It used to be in April. Yeah. So, yeah. Neat. But, yeah, so now, now springs are busy. It's busy, busy, busy. Every weekend is tied up. Right. I'm looking forward to the start of summer so so that I can kind of relax and start doing stuff on weekends again. Well, we're still we're in – you can see uh, behind Derek our – <laughs> well, our HR department is upstairs today. Yeah. Our security department is um, she's, slacking. She's twitching. She's sleeping. She's snoozing over there. Uh, but we've been doing a lot of training with her and getting her ready. And even Tracy uh, took her for a walk the other day and said, uh, like, all the work that we've been putting into, like, she hasn't taken her for a walk in a while. And she goes, it's really showing the oh. the calm mm-hmm. walking and the listening and stopping it. Like I say, we stop every time we come to a crosswalk or something before we cross the road. She sits down. Have you had her in water yet? Nope. No, it's been too cold. I'm curious. No, she's good. We've we've been, Ariana took the water jug out okay. and was watering the, the potted plants out there to start getting them going. And she was going nuts. <laughs> she wanted, she thought it was playtime with the water. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to be an issue. <laughs> what, Mike Burns, he, uh, they, they got a. I wish I could remember the dog's name. So Willow is the one that he always takes canoeing with him. Yeah. But before Willow, the dog that they, they their other dog that they have, they got Jill. J- Jill, that's it. So when they got Jill, Mike was getting her ready to be a canoe dog, and she did not like the canoe, did not like the water. <laughs> well, we've not had problems with the canoe yet, and mm-hmm. apparently if you go by what we've seen recently, yeah. I may have a problem keeping her in the canoe because she's <laughs> going to be want to be in the water. Yes, there you go. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Other than that, yeah. So once this weekend's done, mm-hmm. that sort of starts a bit of a bit of a downtime for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I got lots nice. of yard work to do. So thank you. Oh, I've been, I'm I've happy. been <laughs> doing that here, bits here and there, yeah. and, and whatnot. I'm going to talk about. We're going to come up with something a little later here. And uh, remember, we had that wilding project in the backyard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll bring that up a little later, but I don't think that's happening this year. Oh, it's been spread across our yard. Hmm. Security department. <laughs> anyway, um, if you are in the Lake Tahoe area, oh, we're actually going to do the show. We're actually going to get right into the show now. Yeah. yeah, there's no segues here. We're just going to get right into it. Uh, to celebrate the summer beauty of Lake Tahoe, if you're into kayaking, mm-hmm. and raise awareness of the work of the UC. I think that's the University of California. Yeah. Davis Tahoe Environment Research Center, also known as TERC, yep. T-E-R-C, in its research into the lake, 
Center is sponsoring its third annual Circumnavigation of Lake Tahoe for Science. Mm-hmm. Seven-day kayaking journey dubbed Turk Cirque 3. <laughs> Dokie dokie. Must be the third one. It's the third one. The event, which combines science education by UCD faculty and Turk staff with fundraising for the center, will run from June 19th to 25th. Paddlers see the lake from a unique point of view as they travel and learn about Lake Tahoe's ecology, biology, geology, limnology, mm-hmm. that's lake motions and clarity. Yes, I, I, I highlighted that in the notes. It's like limnology, limnology, lake motion and clarity. Yeah. And emerging challenges. It's a wonderful medley of fun adventure, science, and sociability. Turk Cirque 3 will showcase Turk's ongoing research in the Lake Tahoe Basin and at the same time provide a water-level experience of the lake. The event offers a unique opportunity to connect with the lake and feel the spirit and camaraderie with like-minded paddlers. It's pretty cool that you can do that with actual faculty people that well, yes, do the research. Well, yes, so the key thing, and, and so instead of just going out and doing a paddle, they're they're going to be doing this with scientists, and they're going to be learning mm-hmm. about the lake at a lake-level experience. And so these guys, th- this uh, the the Turk, the Tahoe Environmental Research Center, so they study these waters, they study this area, and now the public is going to be able to participate over this seven-day period. It's like, that's fantastic. Right. To be able to learn at that level from the experts who are studying the lake and the environment. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's one thing, when we go to Algonquin, when you do the trail yep. hikes, right? Yeah. You get a ranger. Uh, uh, interpretive, where you bring the folder with you, read yourself. Or, yeah. Yeah. But to actually have a scientist take you out, and for seven yeah. days. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Best way to truly understand the fragile beauty of Lake Tahoe is to be on the water in a kayak and slowly progress around the shore. Every part of the lake is unique, and each part has different ecological challenges, according to Dr. Jeffrey Schladow. Sorry if I butchered that name. (laughs) UCD professor of limnology and director of Turk. All paddlers who are interested in the event have the option to choose from seven separate day... Seven separate... Seven separate (laughs) day trip segments. Seashells, seashells by the seashore. Right? Stop this, people. (laughs) Seven separate day trip segments, including the full tour. Each day will feature 6 to 13 miles of spectacular shoreline paddling through the crystal blue waters of the lake. And each day will provide an illuminating scientific presentation. Now, we've figured out that Tahoe is about 100 kilometers around. Mm -hmm. Loosely. Probably more if you follow the shoreline exactly. Yes. Um, 100 kilometers, 100 miles. uh, Kilometers. So that's a few less miles. Mm -hmm. Against the backdrop of this pristine landscape, paddles will hear from Turk scientists and learn how a range of different measurements are made. This third year, it's a more structured event with thematic presentations. We will show our paddlers what Turk is doing in the Tahoe Basin, the research and science that has been ongoing for many years, says Scott Fitzgerald, one of the leaders of last year's event. Paddlers will also have a chance to interact with scientists regarding invasive species, algae, microplastics, and more. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. Research topics covered in the event include limnology, including the lake's gyres, currents, and other features, Uh, the lake food web, invasive species, forest health, the pollutants such as microplastics, silt, and wildfire smoke, 
which people don't really think of as being pollution, but it, it is. It's it, true, yeah. You don't you don't really appreciate it because well, you talk about forest fires, this, that, the mm-hmm. other thing, campfires. But yeah, well, it hangs out up there. Is it Algonquin Park? I think it's Found Lake. Is it Found Lake? Right on the on the um, Highway 60. But it's like a massively deep lake. Oh, okay. And they took a core sample from the bottom. Oh. And when they pulled it out and checked it, they, you could see different levels of things that happened at different, like they, it was a timeline. Oh, wow. And they could see yep. there was a forest fire in mm-hmm. like 1855 or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could see all the different things that had hmm. happened. And it was like, that's just wild. It's like a time time capsule of yeah. of events. There's a few deep uh, lake lakes like that. There's one up in northern Quebec. What's I can't remember what it's called, but uh, uh, so it's the only natural water. Only rainfall goes into it. No water flows in. Water only flows out. Okay. And it's like a couple hundred million years old, and it's a meteorite strike. And uh, so they. Oh, do- is that Manicouagan? No, Manicouagan, South Quebec, along the uh, uh, yeah, just north of Saguenay, Quebec. Northwest, northeast, okay. but no, this one here is way up north. Okay, and we talked about it before, but uh, so they've taken core samples there, and and they've have hundreds of thousands of years of uh, of history in that core, and it's uh, it's a very protected area. You're not allowed to just go there and you know swim or canoe in that water. It's it's protected because it is so pristine. Only rainwater falls in that lake. Hmm. Right. So. All that environmental silt would just slowly layer out. Yeah. So yeah, so it's like time capsule. Time capsule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Time capsule. Uh, this event is an important fundraiser for Turk as well, making possible all that the center does at Lake Tahoe and beyond, as this research now has a global reach. Portion of the registration fees will go towards supporting the center, and at the closing party, the end of day seven, paddlers will be encouraged to make individual donations. Opportunity for donations are also found on the Turk website. Even if you don't choose to paddle, you can contribute to the work at the center. Just follow the links to donate and help preserve and protect uh, this priceless natural treasure. Solutions developed by Turk are used here at home and shared and used around the world to understand and ensure water as a vital resource for life. Through its science, education, and outreach program, Turk interacts with more than 14,000 people annually, including providing more than 6,000 local students with the opportunity to learn about the unique and fragile ecosystem of Lake Tahoe and how they can provide uh, protect the Tahoe Basin. It's like huge. Mm-hmm. So more information, go to tahoe.ucdavis.edu backslash world. And... One of the things I find interesting with this area, so there's Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe is the border between Nevada and California. It goes right mm-hmm. down the center of the lake, right? And uh, if you follow along the, the road, the highway coming south of the Reno through Truckee, you cross the border from from Nevada into into California and at Truckee, then just a little ways up the ways, that road is a, what a natural pass, and then you come to Donner Pass. So I always wanted to go there. Oh, there's so many jokes. <laughs> but yeah, so so uh, Donner passes is Donner passes a stone's throw from uh, from Lake Tahoe, and uh, this, I, I someday I'm going to make my way down there. I heard there's great restaurants. <laughs> 
Sorry, I couldn't let it pass. Couldn't. I tried, but you got to keep going. So. Feed the whole family. Feed the whole family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting though is, and like over the years, like they got uh, the uh, the Donner family, the Donner party, they got. Uh, Snowbound, but it's every year there's a lot of snow there. This past year, so much snow, so much snow. So it's going to be this year would have been a good year to go there in the spring to see all the snow melt 35 feet, 40 feet of snow, right? Donner rec- uh, recreation. <laughs> well, they do the Civil War stuff, right? Yeah, well, they well, I don't know if they do a re- recreation, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's why that's when it, when I think of uh, Lake Tahoe and that area and Truckee and you think I, of the I, Donner I always party. Think of the Donner party, really? Yeah, you <laughs> sicko. I think like forty six of them survived. I think there was like eighty nine, eighty eight people in the party. Was it so really? Just, I've never actually read about. I, I mean, everybody knows what happened. Yeah, yeah, or what they yeah. say happened, but mm-hmm. I've never actually read what how they got. I'm, they got trapped by snow, but they, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the details about it, I just didn't want to know. <laughs> I know enough to make a couple of jokes, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things that just, uh, just really, what happened? Huh? <laughs> um, if there was a movie about it, I probably wouldn't watch it. No, no. I find it fascinating. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it's uh, no different than people find you know, like watch war movies or yeah, yeah. cowboy movies mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff, right? The old westerns and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Whatever turns you crank. <laughs> um, closer to home, yes. but still over on that side of the country. Paddle boarder out for a paddle in North Vancouver. Oh, yeah. A very close encounter with a visiting orca whale. Local paddle boarder was out in the area frequented by paddlers near where Deep Cove joins Indian Arm where a when a pod of orca whales appeared. Now... Being on a paddleboard. You you look like food, I would think. You know, it's like the whole thing with when you're when you're camping. Mm-hmm. If you're just sleeping in a sleeping bag by the fire and a bear shows up. Taco. You will be more afraid of that than if you were in a tent. Because that tent gives you that false sense <laughs> yeah. of security, right? So I'm, I'm thinking, protected. <laughs> if I'm in a canoe, I've got more protection than dude on his paddleboard. Yeah. It's a false sense of security. Oh, absolutely. At least if they nudge it, I'm not falling in. Because <laughs> all he needs to do is nudge that paddleboard and I'm right down to his buddy's gullet. <laughs> well, how many times have uh, have you seen videos of somebody on a stand-up paddleboard or something or a kayak and and from the GoPro video of the uh, of the event you see you just you don't even see a ripple in the water. You just see this black and white orca whale glide right? by on its side and you see the gigantic eyeball gliding by as it's looking up at you mm-hmm. and you know the the orca is saying, "Hmm, is that food?" I bet you if I pulled a free willy right over top of his board and hip checked yeah. him right into the water, I won't eat him, but I'll, he'll I think will twice. Body, I will body check yeah, him. I will body check him. There was a, a video that came out a few years back, a guy, a surfer, mm-hmm. and the, the dolphin started jumping in the wave oh. that he was surfing down, yeah. and one body checked him oh, yeah? right off his board. Oh. Like, you got to think of how solid a dolphin yeah, is. Yeah. And you're whipping down that 
big wave. It's a solid tube of fish meat. It's a solid <laughs> tube of fish meat. And you get whacked because they're oh, yeah. just picking up speed. Yeah, yeah. And you get hammered by that, what, three, 400 pounds, whatever a dolphin weighs. Oh, Got to be more than that. Just well, it depends on the- hammers yeah. you yeah. out of nowhere. Zoics. <laughs> yeah. I bet you he's still sore. <laughs> and the dolphin barely noticed And it. the dolphin barely, I don't know, man, it was a mosquito or something hit me in the face. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, it was pretty surreal, says Mike Derbyshire of Deep Cove Kayak, who knows most local paddlers because of many of them take part in races in the area on Tuesday nights. And it was a Tuesday when this happened. After the whales made their appearance, they vanished just as quickly headed back out into Georgia Strait, according to those who spotted them from the North Shore. That's one thing is, you know, oh, yeah, I saw a whale. Sure you did. <laughs> well, but everybody else saw it too, so he's got proof. Yeah. No pics, no proof. <laughs> and uh, they just kind of went on their way, And said Derbyshire, who added, he's been close to a few whales while on his paddle board over the years. You feel pretty vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, you wouldn't if you were in a canoe, buddy. Uh, Derbyshire said that although he's worked on the water deep cold for the past 15 years, it's only been in the past four or five years that orcas have been making regular appearances at Burrard Inlet and in Indian Arm. He said if he's lucky, he spots whales in the inlet a couple times a year. Weird that they've changed. Yeah. Following so, food source, you would think. Following food source. Well, think about the, uh, I don't want to harp on it, but like you know, that climate change thing again, right? Mm-hmm. So you get different temperatures of waters and in the inlets, and so it brings different fish in and brings seals in. And so that's a natural food source for the orcas. So they're they're following their food supply, right? Yeah. Uh, he says, although he's worked on the water and, um, yeah, it's 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 only been the last couple of years that he's seen them. Um, but most often whales spotted off the North shore are Bigs killer whales, which used to be known as transient killer whales. Bigs whales are mammal hunters, primarily eating seals and sea lions and the occasional paddle boarder. <laughs> uh, in recent years, they have tended to spend at least part of the time in inland waters of the South uh, Coast, according to whale researchers. Last year, local kayakers off West Vancouver had a similar close encounter with a pod of six orcas near Eagle Island. Uh, those orcas swam within 15 meters of the kayaks. But a week after that, several North Vancouver residents were also treated to the site of a pod of orcas in Burrard Inlet. So if you're going to Burrard Inlet, Indian Arm, North Vancouver, keep your peepers so open. So this has me wondering. So we uh, we we people go out there in, in, in boats and we're trying to see whales and trying to see the orcas and stuff like that. Maybe, just maybe... They're sizing the us up. The orcas are going, hey, I know where the paddle boarders go. We should go check them out. See, and that's my thing is they say big <laughs> whales are Drink. mammal hunters. Yeah. Seals and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So maybe it's only a matter of time before they go, food source. Hang on a sec, Fred. <laughs> I hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> we can use the paddle Pretty as a toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> we can use the paddle as a toothpick when right? we're done. It makes you wonder, are they adapting? But no, yeah, well, they may be adapting, but they're also a very, very, very intelligent uh, mammal creature. Well, fish, maybe they know that whatever. they can get the guy off the paddleboard. But I think they're also just, it's just natural curiosity because they are a very smart mammal. Right? I wonder how many people get eaten by killer whales every year. I don't think any. I've never heard of it. 
Because nobody's listened to live to tell the tale. That's why. <laughs> there you go. Foolish, foolish <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> Little Johnny got eaten by a shark. How oh, do you know? You think He'd... it's a shark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he told me. How? <laughs> he came to me at night. <laughs> anyway, yeah, keep your eyes open. Apparently there's orcas out there. Yeah. Do you remember ages ago we talked about coracles? Coracles. Little coracles, the little round things that look like the top of an umbrella upside down that people sit in and paddle mm-hmm. over in the UK. Canoe safari warden at Slimbridge Wetland Centre, Jane Kirkham, is said uh, is to make a 60-mile voyage along the River Severn later this month in a tiny coracle. 60 miles. Those things don't paddle well. They're yeah. not streamlined. Unless you know how to use them really well, I guess. <laughs> uh, Kirkham's adventure, starting April 17th, is to raise funds for the UK's leading wetland conservation charity, WWT, which is which run the Slimbridge Centre. She's aiming to carry out five legs of roughly 12 miles hmm. by Corgo. That's 12 miles a day. Wow. Stopping overnight until she reaches Shepherd's pa- uh, Patch Bridge in Slimbridge. Huh. Now, Slimbridge is a village between Gloucester and Bristol in southwest England. Is this on a river or is this yep. open ocean? Yep. Where is this? No, no, this is in a river. Uh, so she's going with current then? I would think that so. That would help. In 2021, she took part in a 10-mile sponsored walk along the Gloucester and Sharpness Canal, but to make it more interesting, she completed it in a canoe. As a seasoned canoeist, this wasn't much of a challenge, so she thought, next time, let's try it in a coracle. (laughs) Coracles are small one-person boats made out of woven wood and a waterproof covering, traditionally used on the River Severn. Their use in the UK dates back to pre-Roman times. They're still used today, most commonly for fishing. Hmm. I thought about we should get one and just go out fishing. Or make one. Yeah. Jim and and people people would throw stuff at us. Jim and Ted's Great Adventure on alone. They uh, Basically, they made a coracle. They called yep. it a kayak or whatever, but it was basically a coracle. It was a coracle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as Kirkham turned 60 this year, the challenge then escalated into a fundraiser of a 60-mile journey down the River Severn and finally finishing the last leg on the canal. Kirkham says, I love birds and I love boats, little ones, canoes, kayaks, coracles. So being one of the canoe safari wardens at WWT Slimbridge is a bit of a dream job for me. When I started, I definitely knew more about boats than birds, but time spent at Slimbridge has allowed me to witness the comings and goings of so many different species, and and over the years, I've realized just how essential wetlands are for life on this planet. I hope people support me and make a donation to the Wildfowl and Wetlands Trust. You can go to justgiving.com. There's a little search bar at the top. You put Jane Kirkham, J-A-Y-N-E. Kirkham, uh, to find her donation page mm-hmm. and you can, uh, donate some. Very cool. I think she was a third of the way to her goal. Okay. Already. She's on yeah. her way now. Yeah. Well, she hasn't started paddling yet, but people have already started donating. Got it. So. She's she third on her way to, to the goal of what, to the she, goal of what she wants to, to, money, to raise. To raise money. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. I, they still use the coracle. Yeah. That's just neat. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. So good luck to her. Hopefully, uh. It works out well. Mm-hmm. 
out in Alberta. Castle Mountain Castle Resort. Castle Mountain Resort. The annual slush cup and cardboard canoe race took place last Saturday. So it's done. Yeah, there we go. It's done. April 8th. The competition saw dozens of daredevils slide down a steep, icy slope in handmade canoes <laughs> made out of cardboard in an attempt to reach and jump into a man-made pond at the bottom. All of this in temperatures below zero Celsius. <laughs> so you see that ski hills every spring. Like yep. uh, there's there's a lot of local hills and stuff. They like I know Tromblon does it. They just fill this big slash and big water puddle, and you gotta careen across it in your skis or yeah. snowboard. And most people do not make it. <laughs> I saw there's a video. We'll post that on our our uh, Facebook page. There is a video that shows these canoes people going down. Um, not a single one of them actually looked like a canoe, <laughs> but they all blew well, apart when they had most of them made it down. Uh, the ones that actually made it into the water made it about halfway before sinking, and everybody scrambled out. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> that was cold, but fun. Wow, that was awesome. I'll get here next year too, said participant Andrew Fisher. About 15 of the decorated canoes with varying numbers of people on board took part in the race. Yeah, you get one with like six people in it. Okay, yeah. you're not going far. <laughs> no. You're getting that speed down the hill because of the weight. But once you hit that water, you're a submarine. Screech to a halt. You know, it, it, it looked like they, everybody was having a hoot, whether you were participating yeah. or watching. Just watching the video, you could see people were having a blast. <laughs> the Yeah, the, the annual slush cup and cardboard canoe race at Castle Mountain Resort in Alberta. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing that we never totally forgot about this year is the um, float your fanny down the gammy. Yes. Is that this weekend? Uh, no, I sent it to you. It was happening the day I sent that to you, that message. So it couldn't have been because you just sent it to me yesterday. on the weekend. Wasn't it Sunday? No, you sent it to it me Monday? yesterday. Yeah, Monday. W- whenever I sent it to you, it was happening that day. Was it? Mm. Maybe it was Sunday. The eighth. When was the eighth? That yeah. Anyways. Anyway, anyway, yeah, I totally forgot about it. I know. I forgot about this year too. Right? Because usually it happens when it's the canoe symposium. They do kind of line up, mm-hmm. but it was, I saw something, I can't remember why there was a delay. Well, because the the Ganaraska conservation people were saying it wasn't good enough to, to go down. There was ice and April, waters was... April 8th on the Ganaraska River. Yeah. Yeah, there was That's issues with the Ganaraska Conservation Authority were saying, you cannot do it yet. Yeah, they were delayed. Yeah. Yeah. So... Anyway, totally forgot, totally forgot about the float your fanny down the ganny. We talk about that every year. It's like, we should do that, we should do that, but whenever. But, like I say, we've always had to do it Spring's on. Spring's so busy, too. Well, it's, all, it's always been on the, um, oh, but if we're not doing the canoe symposium anymore. There you go. Then maybe next year. Mm-hmm. We have a year to build, like, the <laughs> biggest and best <laughs> paddling adventures radio yeah. podcast Boat, thingy, floating, <laughs> whatchamacallit, hoo-ha, ding-dong, so we, vessel. We scrapped together a bunch of like 
bags, garbage bags or whatever, fill them with hydrogen gas. So we're floating above the water surface. At the bottom, we light it and explode it. Awesome. (laughs) You guys win. (laughs) Shoot us off right up into the sky. Parachutes. I can't imagine falling into water that cold. I would have my dry suit on. (laughs) Sucks to be you, buddy. (laughs) That'd be cold. That'd be so cold. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, and I haven't even seen any any articles on it since. No social media, just that one article yeah. in CTV News or whatever it was. Weird. Mm-hmm. Wasn't very well uh, published. Yeah, this year. because normally Sarah De Gregorio talks to us about it, right? Hey guys, you going to do it this year? And, and it's like, oh man, I forgot about that. So apparently, it's not high up on our priorities list. Apparently, <sighs> <laughs> letting us down, people. Letting yeah, us down. Yeah. Um. This one, I saw this. So, a canoe livery. What's that? Livery is a like a stable, right? that rents out canoes. Yeah. Okay. Riverside Canoes has operated on the banks of the Platte River in northern Michigan since the early 70s. So, that's wow. 50 years now, mm-hmm. right? Last year, the National Park Service told the owners that they would need something called a commercial use authorization to continue operating. I wonder if there was a problem. Why would you suddenly require something new? Don't know. As part of it, they would need to give the government between 3 and 5% oh. of their gross receipts. Which is not something that we'd like to entertain at all, says Kyle Orr, who owns Riverside with yeah. his wife Kelly. I don't believe, uh, I don't uh, blame you, Kyle. Cost overheads, they're probably only making that much in uh, profit. Right? Um, yeah, I, it, that's a big money grab I'm right there. As far as he's concerned, though, here's the twist. Riverside already has an agreement with the federal government. The previous owners, Tom and Kathy Stockland, fought an effort by the National Park Service to take over the land for a dozen years. 1992, the government agreed to drop its condemnation case against the Stocklands, and they agreed to drop a declaratory judgment action mm-hmm. against the government. There's a lot of big words there. I know. Condemnation, declaratory. In a letter acknowledging that agreement, the Stocklands wrote that it is our understanding and agreement that we will use our property for the purpose of a canoe livery, marina, general store, as it has been used for the past 20 years. So 72 to 92. Mm-hmm. Right? James R- uh, Ridenauer who was then director of the National Park Service, signed off on that letter and acknowledged it in a subsequent correspondence. That, the Oars argue, in a federal lawsuit filed in U.S. District Court for Western District of Michigan, should be sufficient. National Park Service did not respond to a request for comment, right? Of course not. So that seems cut and dry. Mm Mm-hmm. But an email included with the Orr's complaint, Colleen Burridge, an attorney for the U.S. Department of the Interior, wrote in 
that in ni- the 1992 agreement allows Riverside to retain its ownership of its property in the park area rather than suffer condemnation. Why keep using words, words like that? I don't know. Uh, the agreement also specifies and limits the nature of use of the property. 1992 agreement does not provide Riverside with permission to solicit business in the park. Well, if you read what they said, they are going to be using the property for a canoe livery marina general store, which solicits business. And yeah. the, 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 it's, Director of the National Park Service at the time said, Oakley, yeah, Oakley. that's your standard of operation. We so I'm thinking this Colleen Burridge doesn't know what a livery is hmm. <laughs> or a marina or a general store. There's got to be something else behind that. But if you go by what's being said, I don't think she knows what she's talking about. I wonder why they're going back on this. Like, they want money. Yes, money, but they money, have a money. previous agreement. But, but you know what? Every time new owners show up or there's new people running things, the uh, the dog surprised me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I heard noises come from Miami. Anyways, so you get new people you know, running, so it's maybe it's a, a change of the guard and there's new people running the National Park Service and there's this new district attorney or whatever Trying you want to call Trying to make a her. name for themselves. And, yeah, exactly. Hey, right? let's make the change here. But no, it's, I, I don't think that the National Park Service is going to win this case. No. Orr's bought the canoes, uh, Riverside Canoe in 2011. Kyle has worked there for 17 years. Kelly for 10. It's where they met. Mm-hmm. Running it is an opportunity for Kelly and I to make an impact on thousands of families and generations of families. Uh, Kyle says, people come and visit Riverside, you know, year after year. It's an annual trip for them. We get to be a part of that, and that's really special for us. We are not anti-park, he added, but we are for our personal property rights and our ability to exist free of oversight by the park service. Hmm. So I wonder if that's where they're figuring it's going to go as well. Once we start having to pay, then we're on their land and take a, you know, give an inch, take a mile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of thing. Exactly. I wonder. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, they said they're going to use it to make money. That's and now what? you're saying, but we said you can't use it to make money. No, you do signed off on that yeah. letter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's a business. Yeah. For 50 years. Well, National Park Service has a probably a uh, I, I couldn't even guess like what a billion dollar budget across the U.S. So any money that could up there. any money that they could gain from this tiny business, it's a drop in the bucket. So why do it? Right? Well, why? Like the the money that they have to gain is uh, is a, probably a lot less than what they're paying the attorney to to take care of this case, right? You'd figure. Spend a duck to say, spend a buck to make a nickel. Yeah. Hmm. It, make, it makes you wonder why they just go through these motions. Yeah. But there's also, we seem to now, I, I will play play devil's advocate. We seem to be seeing one side of the story here. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. Well, that's why I say there's, 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 I there's something else there's behind something that the we background. don't know. 
because maybe the Park Service, as far as they're concerned, their agreement was with the uh, the Stocklands, and now that the Stocklands sold the property and and that was business what, in 2011, yeah, 12 years ago. So yeah, so 12 years ago, so maybe they you know, they're slow to get off their butt, so maybe they're trying to start moving it now, and it's like, hey, well, new owners, By new the way, rules, yeah, yeah, yeah interesting. We, our you. agreement was our agreement was, was with Tom and Kathy Stockland, not with you guys, right? <laughs> Government. Yep. Ah, if you can't trust them, who can you trust? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> with friends like them, who needs them? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, you want to talk canoe gardens? Uh, sure. I haven't read the story. Oh well, you should have. <laughs> uh, so we did our little wilding project last year. I call it our wilding project, but really it's just I was too lazy to finish cutting all the wood. So one of our apple trees came down. Mm-hmm. I cut it into manageable sections. Yeah. And I was going to finish cutting it into even smaller sections and just didn't. And put it nicely, piled it neatly at the side of our fence. and yeah. through some. Haunted. No, no, no. Threw some uh, flower seeds in there and grass seeds and stuff like that. And it grew up nicely that was our wilding project there was squirrels were hiding in it birds were hiding in it rabbits were hiding in it bugs were hiding in it and now you have a diggity dog and now we have a great big diggity dog that thinks this dust doesn't look right here (laughs) let's drag these sticks across the lawn oh no so our wilding project is not going to continue on this year yeah that's too bad. Well, everything everything yeah. died off come fall and winter anyway. Mm-hmm. So nothing started growing back yet. So, yeah. yeah um, she breaks up. She gets in a fight. What, we I got a lilac tree back there? Yeah. A lilac tree? And she'll just run out and attack the tree. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? And she's like wrestling with one of the branches. Yeah. It breaks off and then she carries it across the lawn. Oh, well. But bright side is she isn't digging holes yet. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice trees. <laughs> Our security uh, <laughs> department keeps attacking them. Uh, so, yeah, we're slowly cutting up the uh, big trees that are laying beside my yeah. fence. and <laughs> Definitely make it easier for mowing the lawn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, yeah, we're going to do a bunch of yard stuff back there. But I think there's going to be a big section we're going to going to do something and Get some of this. Clear it out. This, yeah, wilding back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a little article that uh, I came across. It says, we can help bring nature home to your neighborhoods, or to, sorry, to our neighborhoods. This story begins with a plan to crowdsource a network of do-it-yourself national parks and some keen community volunteers who filled a canoe with flowers. You've seen those people, I, I know I've seen a couple of them, people have an old bed frame. Mm-hmm. And they put flowers and stuff. It's a flower bed. Yep, yep. You've seen the ones where people take an old busted canoe, mm-hmm. fill it with dirt and flowers. So it looks kind of neat. Correct example is uh, Martin Garster. When we went down the Moir River, right? He blew out the side of his canoe when we went over the wa- when he went over the waterfall with yep. his canoe, and uh, so it was unrecoverable. It was beyond beyond repair. Yep. Anyways, it's planted in his backyard now. It's, it's a nice little garden, right? Martin made a nice little garden in his backyard. It's like surrounded by a little bit of gravel, some 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 plants, and inside the canoe is filled with plants. It's like that's really nice. He's got a bit of. I'm, I'm sure his wife did it. Somebody has a green thumb in that family. Somebody did. It wasn't him. <laughs> a decade ago, volunteers planted a beat up canoe 
retired from active service, in a downtown Toronto green space at the Fork, Fort York Historical Site. They drilled it with holes for drainage, filled it with soil, and transformed it into a planter filled with native wildflowers. Nice. This, the initial aim was to plant canoes at parks and schoolyards along the old Garrison Creek, a lost river that had been incorporated into the city's un- subterranean sewer system in the late 19th century. Each canoe would be a nod to the not-so-distant not too distant ecological past when the creek ran through the neighborhood and would provide much needed habitat for local bees and butterflies. So the creek actually used to flow through the area. Mm -hmm. But then when they started making sewer systems, you know, progress sent it underground into the sewers, right? Exactly. Over the next three years, volunteers planted dozens of repurposed canoes throughout Toronto, Markham, and Richmond Hill. Today, the Canoe Garden Network stretches from Cape Breton uh, to Vancouver Island, providing pollen and nectar patches for local critters and whimsical native plant demonstration gardens for passers-by. The idea to plant a canoe fleet was inspired by American author and entomologist Douglas Tallamy. Hmm. So I've started with just one canoe in Toronto. And now it goes from Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, all the way to Vancouver. Very nice. That's pretty cool. That's a it's a neat project. Mm-hmm. In his book Bringing Nature Home, Talmy offered a novel way to increase biodiversity in communities. Instead of relying on government agencies to establish green spaces like parks and conservation reserves, he encouraged residents to create homegrown national parks. Unlike traditional national parks, these loose patchworks of habitat would be citizen-led. They could be on private or public lands and, most importantly, planted with native plants, shrubs, and trees that support local insects and wildlife. That's the big thing. Mm -hmm. David Suzuki Foundation took up Talamese Challenge to create Canada's first homegrown national park and enlisted the help of a couple dozen volunteers, including Toronto resident Aiden Dolan Nolan, who became one of the first homegrown park rangers in 2013. After a few years of plantings, events, and musical parades, the Homegrown National Park Project morphed into the Butterfly Way Project in 2017. Still ranger-powered, it expanded from local greening initiative into a national network of volunteers creating butterflyways, neighborhood-scale habitat corridors for pollinators, and other wildlife. See, I could have been part of that had I <laughs> known. Yeah. Right? No, a dog has destroyed my <laughs> national park project. It's now come full circle. The David Suzuki Foundation is collaborating with the new U.S.-based homegrown national park organization Talami co-founded. People in Canada can now officially join this growing movement by uploading their native plant gardens to the Canadian homegrown national park map. The goal is to highlight how much is happening on the ground, stitching together a growing international patchwork of individual actions into one inspiring movement. That's pretty cool from just one canoe, right? That's really interesting, yeah. Project is a lot of fun, but it's motivated by troubling trends for the tiny creatures that run the world. Insects. (laughs) So when we were in Algonquin Park doing the trails when the kids were younger... 
they go by um, for biodiversity and stuff the the mass. So when you say you know you m- moose are big mm-hmm. animals, yeah. But when you take all the moose and put them together, they're yeah. the mass of that big ball of moose is nothing compared to the mass if you collect all the, the bugs, insects and bugs or the mice stuff like that. Right? Did you see the display at the visitor center in Algonquin Park? They have a map or they have a diorama. They have a there's a signboard poster or something and it shows the animals not by population but by mass. Yeah. And it shows a tiny moose, a giant mouse, and a really big bug. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they just by by mass and by diversity. It's a it, it's it was it's, it's a numbers game. I know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So that's what this is. D- despite being the planet's largest and most diverse group of organisms, insect populations have dropped by forty five percent over the last forty years. A result of industrial agriculture, urbanization, invasive species, and climate change. Rural areas, natural habitat has been replaced by monoculture crops maintained with chemical fertilizers and pesticides. Urban areas are characterized by impermeable surfaces, high temperatures, non-native vegetation, all of which lead to fewer insects. Good news is that the insect devastation is not inevitable. Each one of us can play a hands-on role to helping bringing back local populations, contributing to grassroots habitat creation initiatives like the award-winning Butterfly Way Project. Adding plantings to the homegrown national park map are small, simple actions that, when multiplied by thousands of volunteers and groups and agencies, will make a big difference. So, yeah, if you had something like that, you planted a couple of canoes in your yard, you could add them to this list, or if a bunch of your neighborhood got together and did a little mm-hmm. thing at your local yep. park planting native flowers and stuff. Douglas Tallamy is a scientist who is able to communicate complicated concepts such as insect collapses and conservation in simple and inspiring ways. Decades into his tireless efforts to bring nature home, he argues that the task is not as enormous as it seems. You can't reverse insect declines by yourself, but if we each do our own small part, Not only can we restore insect populations, we will create the largest collective conservation effort in history. All it takes is a couple of trays of native wildflowers, gardening gloves, and the gentle approach to managing our yards and neighborhoods, and perhaps an old canoe. Learn more at davidsuzuki.org. So yeah, that's pretty cool, eh? That is, and so it it just reminds me that uh, the numbers of like they're talking massive decline in insect population, yeah. bird population. Like we're, we're, it's a lot of it has to do with pollution and and the spread of of us humans. But uh, yeah, so bird populations are drastically dropped since mm-hmm. the seventies. Insect populations are down as well. I imagine the bird population are down because the insects are down. We were backcountry eight years ago. I think it was we were on a trip South Asia, uh, South Algonquin. And we were sitting there, and it the silence was just deafening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was no birds yeah. singing at all. It's crazy, eh? And I mean, usually you're sitting there, and you can hear them way back in the forest mm-hmm. just going to town. There was nothing. I don't think we appreciate 
as humanity the, the difference that's gone on in the last few decades with mm-hmm. uh, with the populations of wild animals. Yeah, we gotta we gotta start taking a peek at that, and well, beyond start, just being aware of it, just yeah. to start, just be aware of it. But like I say, I mean, when we got our own backyard there, we're rearranging stuff this summer so that mm-hmm. you know our our uh, little friend here, your little digger, the uh, diggity dog. Um, we can get, like I said, we've got, we got a lot of barrels now that we're putting flowers in the barrels instead. And mm-hmm. so that she, she won't dig in those and she can't haul those around. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> yeah. famous last words. Uh, but no, we got, you know, um, Ariane's got her big flower gardens out there now that we've put the yep. fencing stuff around so the squirrels can't dig them up and or get the into dog. them or, or the dog <laughs> or the rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> squirrels, chipmunks, rabbits, yeah. raccoons, possums, skunks, <laughs> yeah, birds. See, we we got our own little wilding project going on big yeah. time here. Yeah. We got animals of all kinds. We got flowers and sh- <laughs> a shrubberies. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, if you can participate in that, uh, yeah, check out that national park map, homegrown national park map. Google that in the butterfly way. Butterfly Way, all one word, project. Check those out, uh, davidsuzuki.org. You want to go whitewater rafting? I found a (laughs) new place. I've actually posted an article on our Facebook page. Yeah. Whitewater rafting in Norway. Hmm? Norway, apparently, is one of Europe's top destinations for whitewater rafting, and rightly so. Uh, Some of... Countries, dramatic rivers and gorges have glacial meltwater gushing down them at top speeds, make Norway an exhilarating place for a gener- a ger- blah, 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 blah. adrenaline junkies. Thank you to go rafting. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're a beginner and prefer more gentle trip, don't worry. Norway's waterways also have some calmer stretches where you have time to take. Uh, you have time to take in the stunning scenery and enjoy the ride. Rafting season in Norway is from around mid-May until the end of September. Experienced rafters generally consider May and June to be the most exciting time as the meltwater runoff from the mountains is at its strongest, though water temperatures are lower. Great ride, but I froze like an icicle. <laughs> <laughs> Rivers also tend to be less busy early in the season as the conditions are more challenging. Later in the uh, season, the water flow is calmer and temperatures warmer, so beginners may prefer to go late August or September. Uh, I've shared this article from Roots North Travel Guide, a Scandinavian travel magazine, um, on our Facebook page for uh, rivers to go to and places to stay if you're heading to Norway to do some whitewater rafting. Very cool. Yeah, it's uh, there's there's <laughs> we should uh, we should put a, a, a rafting trip together to Norway. Well, I don't know about that. That'd be a little pricey. Shut up. <laughs> Sponsor. Okay. So you can stay home with the kids for the weekend. <laughs> so we and we, have a day trip to Ottawa Valley for whitewater rafting, or you can go to a week to Norway. <laughs> <laughs> All those with me, <laughs> all those with Derek. So we need an airline sponsor, Air Canada. We'll get a beer sponsor, and uh, we need a whitewater rafting sponsor. In Norway. In Norway. Right. And a place to stay in <laughs> Norway. So an Airbnb sponsor. Yeah. See? Easy peasy. Yeah. 
Let's put it together. Yeah, let's put that together. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make some calls tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, go to our Facebook page and see the, the article there from Roots North Travel Guide and, uh, check it out if you're, yeah, I mean, if you're that into whitewater rafting, mm-hmm. I never really think of places like that to go when you're thinking of paddling and stuff like that. It's well, no, exactly. You don't think of exactly. Yeah. yeah. We should be. Um, that's all I've got. Again, I'm at the... Ottawa Outdoor and Travel Adventure Show this Saturday, presenting from 1230 till 1. Nepean Sportsplex, free admission and parking, Saturday and Sunday, 10 till 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for coming out to the Film Fest last night, tomorrow, <laughs> last night. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hope you all enjoyed yourselves. Yeah. Uh, again, a big uh, thank you to Sale uh, in Oshawa yes. for uh, handing us a big uh, box full of goodies to, yes. to throw it at Their people. generosity was staggering. Uh-huh. Other than that, that's all I got. Uh, the Blue Jays won 9-3. Did they win 9-3? Home opener, 9-3. Look at that. Game over. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. They get five runs in the uh, in the eighth. I don't suppose you know the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins Chicago score, do you? I have no idea. <sighs> You know, this is still hockey season, right? No, it's baseball season. No. <laughs> no. Uh, because I need Pittsburgh to lose, and Pittsburgh lost 5-2. to two. That was awesome. <laughs> that means if the Islanders can beat Montreal tomorrow night. Montreal's starting to do pretty good right now. Ooh, Florida clinched a playoff spot. Islanders need to win tomorrow night to clinch that last wild card spot. Yeah. And make it another playoffs. If they lose, <laughs> things may not go their way. Things may not go their way. Because right now, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and the Islanders both have one game left. Islanders are one point ahead. So if Pittsburgh loses their last game and the yeah. Islanders are in. If Pittsburgh loses and the Islanders win, the Islanders are in. If the Islanders, oh, if Pittsburgh, I think if Pittsburgh wins and the Islanders lose in overtime, they both have the same amount of points, but Islanders get in because they have another win or something like that. However, they figure all that out. There's a lot of ways for the Islanders to get in, (laughs) but (laughs) it's the Islanders. I've been a fan for... Ever. Over yeah. 40 years. Since I was a little kid and didn't know any better. So I can't give up on them now. <laughs> uh, other than that, that's all I got. That's all I got. All righty. Well, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can just go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and you can download or stream all our episodes there. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. 